The human spirit is unconquerable. We are individuals and we are sovereign, born with unlimited potential, gifted from our creator. Our mission is to break free from the systems that bind us. I volunteer as tribute. We strive for peace and prosperity and overcome all challenges, roadblocks, and obstacles. We are empowered because we think for ourselves and we act for ourselves. We are self-reliant and independent, but guided by the wisdom of those who share our values. What possible difference can I make? There is no government, no ruler, nor ideas that are able to stop us. We are driven to succeed because we seek political freedom, financial freedom, and spiritual freedom. It's all for nothing if you don't have freedom. This is Mike Corbell, and you are listening to The Invictus Mind. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Invictus Mind podcast. This is your host, Mike Corbell, and I'm happy to be here today. I want to thank you for all the returning listeners, and thank you for checking out this show. If this is your first time here, this is the number one program dedicated to helping individuals maximize their potential and truly become unconquerable. Here we have discussions about what it takes and what it means to experience and magnify political freedom, financial freedom, and spiritual freedom. Just a quick reminder that you can find this program in all of your social media outlets and on all your pie catchers. So whatever your favorite source for content is, if you like this show and find it adds value to you, please subscribe and share this with three of your friends. You can leave me a review on Apple Podcasts as well as the Podchaser app and let me know your thoughts. If this isn't your favorite program, I'd love to know why and what I could do to deliver the entertainment or knowledge that you value the most. All right, today I have with me an interesting fellow that I was recommended to check out and listen to. I found his program to be very applicable to the times we live in. And of course, this world is turned upside down because of COVID-19 and the consequential government policies that shut down many of the economy and force a million people to be out of the work or to have to invent new ways to be self-employed while staying home in a lockdown environment. But my guest today has had the experience and knowledge of working remotely for the past 21 years. He lives a lifestyle that has been coined being a digital nomad and earns a living while having the privilege of traveling to over 100 countries and learning about a myriad of cultures. He runs a business that teaches the 19 international strategies to protect and grow wealth abroad and is the host of a weekly podcast called The Expat Money Show, where he shares the stories of his personal experiences, as well as interviewing other expats and how they have created the lives of adventure, fulfillment, and independence. I'd like to welcome Mikhail Thorup. How are you doing today, Mikhail? Very well, Mike. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited for today's conversation and hopefully inspire some of your listeners. But uh, yeah, man, very cool concept for a show. Very excited to be here. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. You know, I thought I'd start off by asking you where you're broadcasting from today, because I know that you travel a lot and I'm just curious where you're at right now. So at the moment we are in Brazil, my wife and I just welcomed our second child into the world. So we decided to give birth in Brazil. So my child will automatically become a Canadian citizen, Brazilian citizen, and Panamanian permanent resident. And then because I am the legal guardian of a Brazilian citizen, I get my permanent residency. And then within one to two years, I'll also pick up another passport for myself. So we're here for about four months. We've been traveling a lot this year already. But normally I'm in Panama if I'm not on the road. But uh, like I said, yeah, four months in Brazil right now. Very, very nice. Well, congratulations to the new addition to your family. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. So, 
you know, the magic of today's technology, we can literally talk to each other all over the world and, uh, and do business together. And it's instantaneously, it's, it's, it's really quite remarkable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the changes we've seen in remote work and digital nomadism and expat living has just skyrocketed in the last year. We've taken 10 years of technology and condensed it into six months or a year. And the opportunities are just so prominent at the moment. It's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have a really interesting story and uh, you don't seem like you're that old of a gentleman, but uh, you've been traveling consistently for 21 years. Uh, I'd love to hear how you got started in that endeavor. Yeah, sure. So when I was a child, I was actually diagnosed with a learning disability. So when I was in grade three, the teacher pulled me out of class and brought me into a little room and the principal was there and a resource teacher, maybe the V and maybe the vice principal. And they sat me down and they said, Mikhail, Mikhail, something doesn't work quite right in your brain. And what we want to do is we want to send you to a special school, special school for special boys. And that's what they did, Mike. Every day for three years, I got on a little white bus and I took the little white bus across town and I went to this special school. The only problem, Mike, was it wasn't a special school. It was actually a regular school with a special class. So you can imagine what happened. I got into lots of fights. I got picked on. I got bullied. And it was just an absolutely horrendous experience. I absolutely hated it. But after three years, I got to finally go back to my neighborhood school. And I thought, wow, this is going to be amazing. All my friends, they will have missed me. They're going to be so excited to see me. And yeah, it's just going to be fantastic. But once again, um, you know how kids are. They don't really relate to anyone or anything that's kind of different. And it's a little bit of mob mentality. And there's a lot of gossip and whisper. And, oh, I remember him. He went to some retard school. 1980s, totally politically correct. You know how kids are. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, long story short, I, um, I didn't like school as a child. And I, as soon as I got to high school, I liked it pretty much even less. So I stopped going at 12 years old and I officially dropped out at 15. And not shortly after that, I started traveling and I started traveling internationally. Mm. And it was so unbelievable because I started to meet all these people who were doing so much cool, incredible things, but they were doing it in a completely different way than I was when I was growing up or anything I had ever seen. And I really started to feel like, wow, these are like my peeps. These are my people, you know? And um, yeah, man, just fell in love with travel and exploring and different cultures and expat living. And like, I mean, when I started there, there was no word of digital nomadism. It just didn't, digital nomads didn't exist. I started traveling internationally in the year 2000. Mm. And I mean, fast forward, I've lived all over the world. Brazil is now my ninth country I've lived in. I've traveled to more than 100 countries. I've been to all over Africa. I've been to North Korea and Iran. Um, I've circumnavigated the globe more than 400 times. I basically just didn't stop. I had that first initial love affair with travel when I was a teenager. And I'm 38 now, and I just keep going, 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 and I just never stop. So that's kind of uh, 20 years of history boiled into three minutes. But yeah, man, happy to take the conversation in any direction that you'd like. Awesome. Well, did you mention uh, what country you were born in? Born and raised in southwestern Ontario. 
Okay. Uh, lived in Australia for three years, lived in New Zealand for a year, lived in Singapore for a year, lived in the Arctic for a year, all over Canada and the States, lived in Guatemala, lived in the Middle East for eight years, been in Panama for two years, and now about four months in Brazil, we're getting our permanent residency. We're going to get, not a second home, we're going to get our third or fourth, fourth home, I guess, down here in Brazil. And uh, yeah, so this is the, the newest addition to the collection. Okay, very good, very good. Now I'm assuming that you uh, you are fluent in multiple languages. One of the things that I've noticed about American tourism is you can always tell them who's an American because they only speak one language. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think Canadians. I don't think we're much better, but uh, yeah, I do speak Spanish quite fluently. Um, I speak Chinese, but very poorly, like extremely poorly. My wife is from mainland China. It was funny today because. Um, she was on the phone with her mother and it's her mother's birthday and they're ch chatting away and, and I could follow the conversation and I was telling her to wish her mother a happy birthday for me. And she said, Oh, you just wish her. So she pointed the video over at me and I could talk to her mom for 30 seconds in Mandarin. And I mean, not the best in the world, but it's a work in progress. But my daughter, who's five years old, I mean, she speaks perfect Mandarin, English and Spanish. I mean, she's trilingual. Uh, languages are important in our family for sure. That, that's amazing. I, I struggled through two years of learning Spanish in high school. So if I went to Mexico, I can understand some of what they're saying, but I couldn't communicate very well. I'll just show my money and be well, like, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> well, public education. I mean, that, that is uh, exactly what we're talking about. Public education, how they structure things, how they teach things. It's always the worst way to do it. It's not effective in learning um, you know, if you want to learn Spanish or any other type of language, there's much better ways to do it. It's always comes down to the amount of input and comparable input. So watching lots of Netflix, listening to music, podcasts, having friends, you know, these types of things, not studying grammar, not, not rote learning. You don't learn a language through rote. You don't mm -hmm. really learn anything through rote. And kind of to circle back, I mean, that talks a lot about my horrendous experience um, and side note, I mean, my learning disability is a form of dyslexia. So, I mean, we know now in the 2000s that dyslexia is really not a big deal whatsoever. Certainly not enough to yank a child out of their normal neighborhood school and send them across town. I mean, it's just, it's just irresponsible and abusive. But um, yeah, man, much better ways to learn language than through school. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You know, I want to address uh, a couple of things on the show today. Number one, some of your travel experiences, because I do agree with you that uh, just through travel and experience, you learn way more about the world than you could through school. But I also want to address the obvious uh, fact that uh, under COVID-19, travel has probably become much more difficult. And then uh, I want to talk at the end a little bit about how a person can develop a lifestyle such as yours and possibly becoming a digital nomad. So, uh, you know, Mikkel, You've been to a hundred different countries. Sure. You've mentioned that you've lived in sure. nine of them. Do you have any favorite countries that, uh, that you either have lived in or maybe this is the place you're currently living? So, okay. Here's the thing about me, Mike. I am super upbeat. I am super passionate and I'm super excited about this entire space. I am just so grateful to be out there and exploring the world and always have been. So literally like everywhere is my favorite place because I just think it's all so interesting. I like all the differences. I like all the changes and the different foods and the language and the history and the people. And I like differences. 
if everything is exactly the same, then I get really bored really fast. So that's, con that's why I'm constantly traveling and checking out new places. I'm not one of these people who is, you know, quote unquote, searching for the perfect place. I mean, it doesn't exist. I mean, there were great places for me at certain times of my life. And when they stopped being great places for me, or I got bored, or I felt I was too comfortable, then I moved. I mean, let's take the UAE for an example. I loved my life in Abu Dhabi. I thought it was amazing. It's such a beautiful country. The people are fantastic, super warm. It's very uh, safe and secure. And like, you can do anything in that country. You have so much freedom there. But that's not what the media would tell you anywhere in the Middle East. But in the UAE, I swear to God, you have it. But there were some changes in the country and for a family and how I wanted my kids to grow up. And, you know, I saw that there was going to be big problems coming in the economy and living in the middle of the desert where your water comes from desalination and you can't grow your own food or anything made me feel not so safe. When the world was a little bit more st uh, stable, then okay, it did. So I lived there from 2011 to 2019 and I. I left. I, I went to a country where we can produce all our own food, our own water, more stable, you know, no problems next to Iran, which I love the country of Iran, but I hate what the U.S. is going to do over there. I wanted to be away from that part of the world. So, I mean, that's kind of roundabout way of telling you that, yes, I have favorite countries, but I can't really narrow them down. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I guess the the flip side to that would be, what are your least favorite countries? But you probably give me the same kind of definition there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's put things in perspective. I mean, I haven't met a country that I don't like. Okay. I can find good things about every single country I've ever been to. I can also find terrible and horrible things about every country I've ever been to. And if I wanted to, I could spend the entire episode talking about the bad of places. But why? What's the point? What what good is that going to do me? I mean, that's not going to help anybody. I am constantly focused on what are the best things to do there. Like, I mean, I'm in Brazil. Okay, the bureaucracy in Brazil is crap. I mean, it's horrible. But the food is pretty rad here. I mean, we go out for Brazilian barbecue every single week and eat our faces off and so much meat. And I drink a bottle of wine. And I get the bill and it's like $25 at the end. Mm. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So what am I going to concentrate on? Am I going to concentrate on the paperwork and the government and the taxes? Or am I going to concentrate on the cool people, the food, and the amazing cost of living? I, I think I've answered that, you know? So I don't really have a country that I didn't like. Um, I'm just, just happy, man. Just appreciative to be out here and have the chance to go out there and see the world. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome attitude. The, the spirit of adventure and excitement and constantly learning. I think that uh, a lot of people would like that. In fact, I would like that. But uh, I'm going to share with you something, Mikkel, that I've only shared one time on the podcast here, is that uh, because of COVID-19, my wife and I have not left anywhere in the last 18 months. We, we, we were scheduled to go to Costa Rica in 2020 in May, actually uh, a year a year ago now. And uh, because the world seemed to have shut down, we just decided it wasn't worth our time or the hassle of, of going through all the regulations and restrictions. So uh, I'm about to take my first road trip to California. I live in Chicago. I'm going to go to Orlando. So that's going to be the extent of my travels this year. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, as things start to settle down, we'll see uh, traveling being a little bit more uh, on our radar. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I've been to Costa Rica this year, and I can tell you that the country is wide open, first of all. The visa process for getting in is quite, quite simple. You don't need a test or anything like that. All you need to have is some insurance that will actually cover you in case you get sick there and it has to cover your hotel. Now, the neat thing is it only needs to cover for $2,000, but you can actually get insurance, local insurance there with a deductible of $5,000. So your insurance costs are going to be like, I think when I went, we went for three weeks, I think it was like $50 or something for a family of three. I mean, it was peanuts, maybe $60 for a family of three. Because I have worldwide health insurance, I didn't actually need it to protect me if I got sick. I only needed it for the government regulation. I actually did an interview, not an interview, I did an episode on my podcast on the Expat Money Show. I think it was episode 130. And I talked about entering Costa Rica during the COVID pandemic. And man, we had a great time. All the tours were open. There was lots of tourists. Hotels were fully booked. So many cool people that we met on that trip. I highly, highly recommend that you take a second look at Costa Rica and maybe try to make it down this year. Oh, this year, I don't know if this year will be on the uh, on the schedule, but uh, certainly want to go back. Uh, my friends went there back in 2014, and it just looked really exciting. And I wanted to do the zip line and, and all the things that uh, they, they had showed me. So <laughs> yeah, we did zip line. I went surfing in the morning. I went ATVing, horseback riding, um, uh, crocodile tours, monkey tours, uh, coffee plantation, chocolate plantation. I've been fishing. St- snorkeling, um, hiking. I mean, we did everything. We went crazy in three weeks. Um, beautiful, beautiful country. Awesome. Very cool. You know, I'm one of these guys and maybe I'm, uh, I'm, I'm too stubborn to admit that, but, uh, you know, the, uh, the COVID restrictions just, they just really bugged me. Like, I was, I was having a hard time even putting a mask on, let alone I'm the kind of guy that if they told me to put a mask on an airplane, I would probably get into an argument, get kicked off the plane and have some kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> ban from uh, international travel place on my record or something like that. And that's why I feel, I, you know, I, I didn't want to experience that kind of stuff. And it's probably sad because I could have, but uh, just from, you know, your show and what you're telling me, it seems like things are starting to loosen up a little bit now. In some regards, they are loosening up. And in other regards, they're becoming more strict. Listen, I'm a very hardcore libertarian. I hate being told what to do. I mean, as long as you're not hurting people or stealing their shit, I mean, go for gold, do whatever you want. However, saying all of that, I can't change the world. I can't change these governments. I can't change the procedures. I can only change myself. Now, travel is really important to me. Super, super, super important to me. It's, it's who I am at the core of my being. Same as my wife, same as my kids. Same as, it's just part of our life. So then I have to make a choice. Am I going to be stubborn and let these people take away the opportunity for me? Or am I going to play ball? This is a personal choice for me. I decide it is worth the hassle, but I will never tell anyone else how they should live or what is right or what is wrong. I do try to encourage people to go out there and explore the world. I think that travel and living overseas is the enemy of racism and bigotry and closed-mindedness and stupidity, to be honest. You know, I mean, we have so much to learn from other people that are out there that I, I highly, highly encourage people to go out there and explore. 
Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent that, uh, you know, you do have to measure the uh, the risk versus reward factor there. You got to find out what your values are and and just uh, don't be too scared to live your life. You know, there's there's a great big correct. world out there. So, correct, so correct. You, you mentioned that you're married and you have a, a new child. How many children do you have, Mikhail? I got two kids. I got a little girl. She's five. And I have a two week old little boy. So we're very blessed. I got a little girl, little boy. My daughter speaks three languages, has been to 13 countries in her life. And my son, he's two weeks old. So he's, he's got time still to, to start exploring. But yeah. Yeah. You know, when, I heard, when I first heard this concept of becoming a digital nomad, it resonated a lot with me. But then I was thinking, well, I have a, I have a daughter myself. I'm married. You know, it seems like it could be a much more of a hassle to do it as a married person than it would be as a single individual. Um, mate, I would... I would disagree with this one. I think it's an opportunity. I get a whole new level of enjoyment and experience by traveling with my wife and kids than I do by myself. And I'll also add on, I travel with my mother as well. My mother has lived with me for four years because I don't like the idea of a stranger raising my children. So we homeschool our kids or world school or unschool. So my mother actually helps participate in this and helps educate my daughter. So we're a little band of, of travelers. And she lived in the Middle East with us. And then when we relocated to Panama, she came and she was with us to Costa Rica. And I've taken her on trips to Africa with me and um, traveling with parents, traveling with spouse, traveling with kids. I mean, it just adds more to the experience, not less, in, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, your kids will have such a, a wonderful experience to share when when they're older. You know, one of the things that uh, I guess most people that I talk to get hung up on, especially when it talks to, about homeschooling or whatnot, is how do you socialize your children, which, you know, to me doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, you go to public education, you're going to get socialism. But uh, yeah. what, what they're really asking is, you know, how do you how do your children or how do kids be able to make friends? But I'm guessing that they make friends all over the world now. And with things like Zoom and, and, and other te- types of technologies, that's really not an issue. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my daughter plays with kids from all over the world and has since she was born. I mean, kids make friends very fast. We take her to the playground all the time. We have a pool downstairs at our apartment and there's always kids there. She's constantly around kids. Um, before COVID, she was doing dance class. She was doing... Um, flamenco and she was doing ballet and she was doing gymnastics so she meet kids there and at the moment they're mandating that the kids have to wear masks I draw the line at this I will not put a mask on my child I think that this is wrong but I mean I've been traveling with my daughter on the airplanes on doing tons of stuff and she's never worn a mask a day in her life I mean if there was a store that said you can't come in because she needs to wear a mask oh, let's just go find another store I mean that's easy enough to do but with the, these activities and sports at the moment, they're saying that they have to wear masks. No, I, I think that's, that's cruel. I think that's wrong. So I, I will draw the line there and I won't participate in that. So it sounds like you're saying that there are some airlines that are a little bit more uh, laid back when it comes to those kind of restrictions. So it must be just, a, you know, kind of, you know, you got to look for the right one. Yeah, I mean, we didn't ask permission we didn't, uh, we didn't check anything in advance. We just went to the airport, not wearing a mask, and nobody said anything to us. And we boarded the airplane and same to come back. And we just 
I don't know, maybe we're lucky. Maybe someone's going to listen to this. They had a totally different experience, but with my five-year-old, no problems. Well, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. My daughter is uh, going to be 11. So she's already, uh, you know, used to Maybe. that craziness. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I wanted to start a little bit about uh, how you actually were able to create the life of a, a digital nomad. I mean, not necessarily just the travel experience, because that's, that's a, enough of, of a story in itself. But how were you able to actually earn a living while able to travel over a uh, hundred different countries for the last 21 years? So when I was a I want to use child for lack of a better word. When I was a teenager, when I was a kid, um, I was saving a lot of money working at a neighborhood job. I mean, I think I started working at grocery stores and stuff when I started saving some serious money. Well, technically, if you go further back, I started working when I was 12. I was working in farms. But the money that I actually saved to start traveling was just a nothing job. I mean, minimum wage, keep my head down, save, 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 travel, 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 stop rinse rather rinse lather repeat i mean we had the internet in the year 2000 but it Mm -hmm. wasn't like it is today like come on let's be real it was so 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 very different so that was my plan for many years that's what i did then probably 10 years ago i started to get into entrepreneurship and i tried a few different things and i made lots of mistakes and i screwed up stuff and i used to be really big into the fitness niche and i tried to start a gym and a clothing brand and supplements and blah, 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 many different things. And then um, nowadays, what I do is just kind of help people do the same type of thing that I already do. I mean, I have a lot of experience with living overseas, with traveling. I mean, I've been not paying taxes for 20 years. I've been against taxation since I was a kid. And I was finding legal strategies to get out of tax way back then. And and I continue to do it now. So these were all normal things to me. Offshore banking, offshore incorporation, uh, private vault storage, uh, international investments, offshore brokerage accounts, uh, residency, second passports, foreign real estate. These were things that I was doing in my normal life for years and years and years and years. And then it was like I started pivoting and started talking about these things on my own program, on the Expat Money Show, started doing coaching and consulting with people. We have a private Facebook group, the Expat Money Forum. But what I'm trying to say is I found something that I already did and then started showing other people how to do it. It was already important to me. There was already a passion there for me and people were curious about how I did it. I think that is a good way to enter into the space. I mean, you don't have to have the same niche as I do. You have whatever niche that you're passionate about. But I think those interest-based businesses, I think, are really, really good. So that's on one hand. And I suppose on the other hand is if you already have a career, just look at how you can take that career and make it remote. So if you are a, an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, any type of professional, an engineer, uh, um, any type of profession that you have, how do you put it online? How do you teach people how to do what you do? How do you do it through coaching and consulting? How do you do it through a membership site? Go on a, a website called Upwork and offer your services for an hourly basis or they can hire you on retainer. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to go out there and be the next Mark Zuckerberg or Larry Page or try to start some new tech, fancy tech company. Forget all that stuff, man. Just do the things that you already know. Put it online. It's easier than you think. 
Yeah, I was advised a couple of years ago by another podcast I listened to to uh, create this type of lifestyle, this ability that you can actually take your work with you wherever you go. And we saw in 2020 that uh, millions of people were forced out of work. And, uh, you know, maybe not that many or, or possibly so have learned how to actually do their job on a remote basis. Right. Um, no longer are the days where people are going to be going to the office, uh, working behind the desk nine to five. Now they're going to be at the comfort of their home on their computer, doing everything digitally. Or like you, they're going to be able to travel all over the place. And uh, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting transition in the, in the career opportunities for people going forward. Oh, absolutely. I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. And I'll also make one other point. I mean, we've used the word digital nomad several times in this conversation. But really, for me, I don't think of myself so much as a digital nomad. I guess a lot of people would consider me a digital nomad, but I've always preferred the term expat. And then let's talk a little bit about the, the lexicon. What is an expat? Why, sure. How do I see the differences? Well, I think that a digital nomad is normally somebody who enters into the country on a tourist visa, and they're going to spend a week, a month, maximum two months, three months there, and then they're going to move on. As an expat, I actually get a residency there. I have a legal right to live and work in the country. And I go mm. for not days or weeks or even months, but usually years. And okay. I incorporate myself into the community. I have local friends. I learn the language. I learn the history and the culture and everything like this. Now, I might keep a couple of different bases around the world. But what I do with these bases, I, I do what I affectionately call the hub and spoke model. So mm. from there, I travel outwards. So let's take when I lived in Australia. I lived in Australia from 2006 to 2009. I went to Tonga, to Vanuatu. I went to Fiji. I went to Fiji like five times. I went all over Australia. I went to Southeast Asia. I went to Hawaii. And every time I came back, I'd go on a vacation for three weeks and I'd come back to Melbourne. I'd work for a month. And then I'd go on another vacation and I'd come back. So that allowed me to leave the majority of my things there and keep my business or my, my house or my job or whatever it was and use that as a way to travel out. Same thing when I lived in Abu Dhabi. I traveled all over Africa and then I would come back. And then I would travel all over the Middle East and I'd come back. And it was just it was more convenient for me. I didn't, I wasn't living out of a backpack. Now saying that, I mean, I have lived out of a backpack. I spent 18 months hitchhiking and backpacking through Central and South America mm. when back in 2002, 2000, 2003, 2004. Um, and that was fun for a time, but that wasn't sustainable. I mean, by having bases around the world, that's what's really allowed me to do it for 21 years. I mean, I constantly travel, I'm constantly on the go, I'm constantly seeing new places, but I have furniture and my own bed and a proper sure. computer and a library with 4,000 books in it. You know, I mean, for me, this is what works. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you see that being easier as an entrepreneur or could you have that same kind of lifestyle if you worked for, you know, another company? I think you can do... I think there's a, where there's a will, there's a way. I think you can do anything you want. I mean, I found a combination of travel and different, living in different homes uh, a way that works for me and for my family. But my family is very international. I mean, I'm Canadian with Danish heritage. My wife is from mainland China. We met in Germany. We got married in Africa. My daughter was born in Abu Dhabi. My son is born in Brazil. And we live in Panama most of the year. Mm -hmm. That's 
not most people. So, I mean, from the family side, it's very international. From the business side, it's very international. But you do any combination that works with you, works for you, because really there's no hard and fast rules with anything here. You get to be creative. You set the rules. That's where I find that libertarianism and digital nomadism and expat living, they all work together so fantastically well. Yeah, I like to being able to, uh, you know, just be free wherever you're going. I mean, the world, like you said, is going to always have rules and always going to have regulations. And, you know, I, I like to tell people that uh, being free, having liberty is more of a mindset than it is having to do with anything about government. But, uh, you know, I, I like how you distinguish between being an expat and being a nomad, because it seems like when you when you go somewhere and you settle down, you're there for you know, a couple of years. Now you are not only working for yourself, but you probably find many ways to add value to the community around you. So you're 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 leaving a mark where you go wherever you know wherever you travel, uh, and, and and you're improving not just your own family but communities everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we have domestic help. So like we have at the moment a person who helps us around the house and cleans and stuff like that. So. You know, we're driving the economy. We're spending our money in that country. We run businesses from there. We do our shopping there. I mean, there's positive influences you can have on a place that you live where you're giving back and it doesn't have to be through taxation. There's other ways that you can contribute. Um, I'm bringing in US dollars that I make from an online business from clients online, I spend that money in Panama and I'm out drinking nice alcohol and eating nice food and tipping well. And I mean, I'd rather drive an economy with, you know, buying things and letting the market decide than any type of taxation and theft. So, you know, there's a lot to think about with all of this stuff. Absolutely. You know, I think you and I have somewhat uh, of a common professional background. Uh, I'll say that because I, I actually am a 15-year veteran in financial services. Amazing. And so I, uh, my job mainly would be to help people you know, put their life together, get out of debt, save a little bit of money, plan for retirement. Every once in a while, I get to see somebody saying, hey, I want to take that trip to Costa Rica or I want to go uh, to Australia, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard you mention on one of your shows that uh, you know it's, it's better to travel while you're young than wait till you're retired to do all that traveling. Would you well, agree my with per- that? My perspective is travel anytime, always, as much as it makes sense for you. I mean, if you're listening to this episode tonight, today, and I mean, you're 65 years old and you're going to do your very first trip, awesome. Go for gold. Don't worry about the fact that you could have done it when you were much younger. I mean, because you can't go backwards in time. Let's be realistic here. You can't. So just use this as the opportunity to go now. If you're 90 years old and you want to travel, get out there, do it. And in the exact opposite side, if you're 17 years old and you think you want to travel and be a digital nomad and explore the world, you can make it happen. I mean, age is not a restricting factor here. Don't let these limiting belief patterns, because I've had people on my podcast who have done it in every single combination of what we just talked about. I did it as a teenager, as a high school dropout and built a seven-figure business doing it myself. Um, I mean... Don't let anything stand in the way if it's something that you're interested in. 
Right. And, and that's a conversation I have with my clients a lot is that uh, if you want to do something, well, then let's put a plan together to go ahead and do it. Sure. But it seems like living a lifestyle like yours, where you're constantly traveling, going to different places, it, uh, it might require a lot of discipline. I mean, obviously, to be able to save money and to be able to, uh, to plan specifically. Well, anything you do in the world, there is going to be sacrifice. There is no question about this. It is always going to be a, you give up one thing to have something else. This mentality we have in the world where you deserve everything, I don't subscribe to this. I think this is horseshit. I mean, you might listen to my conversation today and go, wow, Mikel is so lucky that he's traveled to so many places. Listen, I busted my ass to do these types of things. I sacrificed a ton. I have spent millions of dollars on this travel. And I mean, I haven't been on vacation for 21 years. Far from. <laughs> I mean, try traveling through Africa. You want to learn patience? Go travel and drive across Africa. You will learn patience very, very fast. It will develop you as a human being. Your character will increase dramatically. But we're all going to make sacrifices, Mike. Everything we do, we're going to trade one thing for another. Yes, it's been hard to be away from my father and my brother for my entire adult life. Friends that I have that I've known since I'm four years old and I don't I see them once every five years. I mean, that's hard. There's no question about it. But for me, it's worth it. I mean, it's so rewarding. And for me to feel fulfilled and feel like I'm living the life that I want to live, I have to be out here doing this stuff. I have mm -hmm. to make the sacrifice. It's just not a choice. I mean, that's the driver for me. So that's 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 what I have to say about that, I suppose. I, I heard an interesting debate on your show not too long ago. You had some friends together and uh, you were discussing about uh, the utility and uh, ease of access or ease of use of uh, Bitcoin and other cryptos and gold and and things like that. And you, you mentioned that, you know, you don't like to pay taxes. Neither do I. And, uh, you know, there's different strategies for that. But uh, what are some of the things that you have found, you know, to be able to move your money back and forth between different currencies? Is it all crypto based or are you just kind of play the international money game as it goes? How does that work? Yes. Okay. So ton to break down there. And, and that was a great conversation. I was actually um, the host of a debate on gold versus crypto. I was one of the keynote speakers at an offshore conference, and they asked me if I would uh, mediate this debate. I think it was, ooh, I can't even remember what episode it is. But if you guys go to expatmoneyshow.com, you'll find it on there or Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, whatever, search it. You'll find this episode. It was a lot of fun. There may or may not have been drinks involved. I, I can't <laughs> comment on this one. We may have been a little bit inebriated, but uh, that was a good episode. As for the tax side, um, yeah, I am very much against tax philosophically. I am for following the laws and the rules of the country that you are in because I'm all about more freedom, not less freedom. I'm not out there encouraging people not to pay taxes on taxes that are owed. I'm, I'm there uh, helping people to do things in a legal way. And if you work with professionals and you can be flexible and you are willing to go offshore, then there is magic that can happen. So one of the main things for Americans and a program that we work with a lot is called the Foreign Earned Income Exclusion, or uh, FEIE. 
And basically what it allows you to do is shelter the first $108,700 of your earned income if you live overseas. Now, there's a couple of prefaces. Um, you have to pass a couple of tests. This is not tests like a high school thing, but I mean, it's a, it's a test on where you are and how long you are out. So we have the physical presence test and we have the bona fide residency test. I really like the physical presence, presence test. It's math. I like math. If, if you work in finance, Mike, I'm going to guess you like math as well. It's 330 days in a foreign country. Now, mm. there's a couple key words there that we have to understand. In a foreign country. It doesn't say out of the United States. Okay? So if you're on an airplane and you're flying across the world, it doesn't count. If you're on a cruise and you're doing an around-the-world cruise and you're in international waters, it doesn't count. If you're sailing from one country to another, it doesn't count. Your feet must be on the ground in a foreign country for a minimum of 330 days. If you can do that, you can shelter the first $108,000. Now, the really neat thing is if your spouse is also American, it's a doubling effect. They can also take advantage of it. So now you're talking at almost $220,000 which is tax-free to the U.S. government. All right, you might have some obligations to the country that you're living in, but when you work with someone like me, you're going to be able to find a country which actually doesn't tax you based on your residency. You find a place like Panama or Costa Rica that does territorial tax system. Do so they actually care about where the money is made, not where you are? The U.S. cares about where you are, not where the money is. Panama cares about where the money is, not where you are. So this kind of fits hand in glove. But the way that we work things, we take most people, move them offshore, take their tax bill from 20, 30, 40%, and we put it at zero. 0.00000%. And we do it legally and honestly and ethically. And we follow the compliance. I work with the lawyers and the accountants. And it is a big difference. You're earning $220,000 and you're living in Latin America, in a Latin American country. You are a king. You are a queen. There is no question about it. You're going to do anything and everything that you want to do. And if you're spending more than $220,000, my God, you're, you're being a little irresponsible. We need to hire you, Mike, and talk a little bit about financial planning because you're, you're really rinsing it at this point. Does all sure. of that kind of make sense on, on some of the strategies that we use to go offshore and how we stay compliant? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, I've heard or I've learned in my studies that uh, there are different expenses for different parts of the world, obviously. Uh, not only the cost of living is more expensive, but uh, some of the rules uh, as far as getting residency in some of the other countries, uh, you know, it costs a lot of money to, uh, to pick up residency in some it European can. countries as opposed to South America. It can. It can and it cannot. So there's different types of immigration. I mean, there's immigration where you're moving to a country, you're going to get a job, you're going to build a business, you're going to live there full time. Those things are usually pretty cheap, even in Europe. The ones that ex get expensive are the citizenship or residency by investment. But the nice thing is you don't have a big commitment for how much time you have to spend in the country. So take mm -hmm. Uh, Portugal, for example. Portugal has a program. It's called the Golden Visa. It's a 500,000 euro investment in real estate. But saying that, there are ways to get some discounts. If you live outside of a populated area, so not in Lisbon, not in Porto, not in the Algarves, then it's 20% off. If you buy a heritage home and it's 
um, you're going to fix it up. Then there's another 20% off. So you can get a real estate investment of about 320,000 euros and you can get your residency there. But the nice thing is you don't actually have to spend any time there. I think it's one week a year. Now hmm. take another place like Ecuador. Ecuador, I mean, it's $2,000 to get your residency. It's basically just legal fees and, and a couple of government applications. But you have to be there like 11 months of the year. Like it's, it's really substantial, the physical presence for this country. So there's countries, every country has their own program, their own way to go about doing it. Um, and then you need to juggle and give up one thing, sacrifice, like we talked about earlier, one thing for another thing. That's why you would work with a consultant like me and we would look at, okay, what is your tax situation? Where are you living right now? What is your lifestyle? What are your likes, wants, and needs? The weather, the climate, the business, the type of work, uh, what residencies and citizenships do you have? Do you qualify for ancestry? Where are your investments? Where are your, real, uh, your retirement accounts? How do you hold your property? How do you hold your precious metals or Bitcoin? Anything like this. You work with me or there's a couple other people in the space who do similar type of work. And we put together this giant plan for you. But I mean, it's possible. It is certainly possible. A um, little bit of flexibility, a uh, little bit of money up front. And yeah, man, magic. A lot of magic can happen. So it sounds like it's more about will and desire and then uh, just the proper planning and, uh, you know, uh, going back just to what a person does professionally, you know, the, I, again, I'm going to have to admit something that I don't want to admit publicly. I'm just learning about this internet marketing business thing myself. But, uh, you know, as a financial planner, my job has been sitting kneecap to kneecap with people. Mm-hmm. But now in 2020, everybody has been, you know, going over Zoom. So I can literally be like you or, you know, I probably want to go down to, uh, like I said, Costa Rica or my mm-hmm. wife wants to go to Ireland and I could just get on a computer and be like, okay, well, you know, I'll help you out with whatever you want to do here in Illinois, but uh, I'm going to make my residence over uh, you know, <laughs> in Ireland or something like that. It just sounds amazing to me. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that you do it, you can probably reduce your tax bill drastically. You can probably put in time to get a second passport. So then you actually have, you know, a little bit of political insurance to protect yourself from crazy governments who are getting out of control. You're going to have diversity in your own portfolio because you're going to be using a different type of currency on your day to day. You can have an offshore bank account. So you'll be outside of the U S financial sector. The list just goes on and on and on and on Mike about the different advantages to doing these types of things. And you are, you are, you're not a tree mate. I mean, you're not, you're not planted in one spot. You don't have roots. You can loop. And then think about your little girl. I mean, what an opportunity for her to live overseas, to learn another language, to meet kids from other, a totally different style of life and outlook and perspective on the world. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I think that's really awesome. I, I agree. I think that sounds very, uh, very enjoyable. But, you know, a, a lot of people listen to this and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I like to be, as a libertarian, I like to use the term white pill, black pill, that kind of stuff, right? And there's a lot of people, unfortunately, in this space, we'll talk about the, the downfall of you know, America and things of that nature. And I look at somebody like you and it's like, well, even if that happens, your lifestyle, you can just go wherever the least amount of violence is, the least amount of headaches are. And mm-hmm. it seems like uh, it would be a white pill in itself. You know what? Just live a life of, uh, of enjoyment and, and not worry about the government so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I live in Panama. We have no standing military. 
We are not invading other countries. You mentioned Costa Rica a couple of times. Costa Rica get, got rid of their military many, many years ago. You can live in these countries tax-free. So as a libertarian, what are the big two tenements? I mean, taxation is theft and war is murder. Those are pretty <laughs> high up on the list. Well, doing the things that we're talking about today, you can legally get rid of your tax bill. You can live in a, live in a country where you're not contributing to the military industrial complex, where you're not invading countries, where your tax dollars are not going to fund these types of things. I lived in the Middle East for eight years. I traveled to many countries. I was in Kuwait and Oman and Bahrain. I went to Iran. I went into Egypt. Um, I went all over these types of places. I mean, it is a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. We have no business dropping bombs over there. I mean, it's disgusting behavior. I'm going to come right out saying it. I mean, it's disgusting behavior. So if these are belief patterns that matter to you, if you believe that war is murder and tax is theft, then what are you doing about it? Like, why are you still there? There are options out there. If you don't know about them, if you didn't know about them before, fine, totally makes sense. But after listening to this today, today's episode, I think you do know a little bit. So now you have a bit of responsibility to make some changes in your life. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, Mikhail, you said you're 38. Do you have any plans to permanently settle anywhere? Or are you just going to keep traveling for the next couple of decades? Or what's your, what's your future look like? Forever, mate. Forever. I love this shit. Um, we, we have a couple of homes around the world. We're going to be getting more. Like I said, I like the hub and spoke model. So we're just going to keep exploring, exploring, exploring. Having kids has added an entire new dynamic to it. I get such a kick out of watching my daughter experience things for the first time. Um, you know, we become so close as a family based on these things that we've, we've done together. Me and my wife have been through so much together through this type of travel. Um, I don't think I'll ever stop. I mean, I've been at it for 21 years since I was a teenager. Why would I stop now? Um, and I, I'm not going to let COVID stand in my way. or I'm not going to let anybody really stand in my way. As, as long as I can, I'll keep doing these type of things. Um, yeah, man. Lots to explore, lots to see, lots to do. Well, I think that uh, the lifestyle that you've described uh, will, you know, make you be more politically free. You know, it sounds like you have the financial freedom to to, to move around, and you know, you learn a lot about culture and spirituality. So that you know that you're you're my kind of guy, and um, you know, I just wanted to give you a chance to uh, you know. Tell us where uh, people can find you. If, if you're anything like me, I'm probably going to be looking forward to uh, speaking to you in the future about, hey, where can I travel? What can I go that's you know, safe and reasonable and fun? Where can people find you, Mikhail? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to help. So there's a couple of big resources. I mean, first of all, if you go to my website, expatmoneyshow.com, you're going to be able to download a special report. It's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. Um, gives you a lot of outline about some of the things that we talked about today and a bunch more that we just didn't have time to discuss today. Um, I run a newsletter on the back end of that. It's completely free. I'm going to give away tons and tons and tons of really valuable information. So I, I encourage you to check that out. And then I would also hopefully get you to listen to my podcast. I mean, if you listen to this podcast and you vibe with what Mike is saying, then you probably really like a lot of my guests as well. We've been going for about four years now. We've had some massive guests on the show, some really, really interesting conversations. 
and then pick up my book. I was very humbled. I wrote a book called Expat Secrets, How to Pay Zero Taxes, Live Overseas, and Make Giant Piles of Money. Super humble title. I know I'm a very humble guy, Mike, as I'm sure you can tell. But go to Amazon. You pick that up. Uh, Expat Secrets. Type in my name, Mikkel, M-I-K-K-E-L. Uh, was a number one bestseller for 18 weeks. We've sold tens of thousands of copies. We've helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people with that book. I still get people messaging me today how it's changed their life. It's a good um, beginner book for a lot of these things. It'll open up your eyes. It'll show you where a lot more of these resources are. So Amazon Expat Secrets, and that's it, man. Yeah, come say hello. Uh, happy to help anyone out there who's listening today. I, I appreciate that, Mikhail. Now, keeping with the spirit of the show, I just need to ask you the question that most people don't understand when I ask them, but, but maybe you've done your research. Are you Invictus? I have not done my research. So if you explain that, I will I, I'll be able to comment here. That's, that, that's funny. No, uh, so the word Invictus means unconquerable. Unconquerable. Means well, that nothing will keep you back. Nothing will hold you down from achieving the life that you want to live. Well, that is a very good word. I like this word very much. I think I'll put it in my own lexicon. And I would say, yes, absolutely, I am. And I hope that... Uh, from today's conversation, you guys can tell that I'm not just talk. I'm uh, actually living this lifestyle and, and putting these types of things into practice. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the conversation. I want to thank Mikkel for sharing his story with us today. I want to thank the listeners who have joined us as well. So this is now the time of season for family vacations and travel is upon us. If you are planning on leaving the U.S., I encourage you to seek Mikkel and get the best inside tips to have a pleasurable experience. As I mentioned in the show, my family and I are planning a road trip to California at the end of June. So if you'd like to meet up and you live between Illinois and California, please feel free to contact me via social media and I'll do my best to make it happen. I know there will be many opportunities for like-minded people to gather and have fun this summer. I know as this is being published, there are people at Childerberg happening in Texas there is the Coming Freedom Fest located in South Dakota at the end of July, and Pork Fest takes place in New Hampshire. In October, I will be traveling to Orlando to check out Tom's Woods' 2000th episode. So if you want to meet me there and hang out, again, you can contact me via social media. I plan on hanging out with all the Liberty Lovers and other entrepreneurs and podcasters who will be there for that. As for this podcast, I will do my best to continually bring good and valuable content every week, but I apologize in advance if I miss, miss a week or so. However, my plan after the summer winds down is to continue growing and perhaps adding another day or two on a weekly basis because there is so much to talk about, so much to learn, and so many opportunities to make a difference in our lives. So until next time, have an awesome summer. Get out and see the world and stop worrying about viruses and lockdowns. Live the life you've always wanted. Again, be productive, be good, and most of all, be free. Have a good one. Talk to you soon.